theyeshiva.net. Okay, you see that Daf Mem Hey, on the top it says Shlach, page 89, Daf Mem Hey, Amud Beis, column 2. Beer Al-Pasik V'hoyo L'chem L'Tzitzis. It says Daf Memhe Amud Beis, column two on Memhe, page eighty nine. On top it says Parsha Shlach, Lekut Torah. Biur Al Pasuk V'Hoya Lachem Letzitzes. As I mentioned a few times, the Balatanya would often say My Marim, and then either the next Shabbos or another day of the week, he would say a second Mimer, which was a beer, an explanation on the first. In the beer, he would usually elaborate on some of the concepts and also show the, the evolution of the idea from Nigla to Halacha to Kabbalah, Kisve Harizal, Zoyar. He would reference it a lot, reference it and cross-reference it and... Uh, Examine it. It was, it was, so to speak, going deeper into the skeletons of the concepts, and also showing how the idea was developed in his own mind. So the biurim are often more explanatory, but also often more complex than the mimer itself, the first mimer. Here, there's a mimer which is about tzitzis. V'hayolachem l'tzitzis at the end of shlach, which was said in the year Tovkov Samach Hey, 1805. Then comes a beer on this pasuk V'hayolachem l'tzitzis. The truth is, it's a very complicated maimen and a complicated beer. Beer is even more complicated. I chose this because I want to learn it now. Particularly, I want to focus on the first peric of this beer, because of the fundamental idea that is being conveyed here. In the beginning, it uses Kabbalistic language, which the biurim often do because they're referencing, he's referencing the ideas in the maimer, in the sources in Torah Sanister especially the writings of the Arizal, the writings of the Zohar, and other writings of Kabbalah. But as you will see quite clearly, he immediately goes into an idea that is extremely fundamental, I would say, in Yiddishkeit, in Hashkafa, in Machshava, in Musr, certainly in the world of Chassidus. So that's what's Bir Apasik and he starts of Inyan HaTcheles, to discuss the concept of Tcheles. Tcheles, of course, is one of the mitzvahs. Translation of Tcheles is turquoise wool. The Torah commands that the tzitzis, the four corners, the four, uh, the arba kanfas of the tzitzis, have within each of them, v'nosno, as we say in the morning in Krishna, v'nosno al tzitzis hakonof psil tcheles v'hoyolachem l'tzitzis, which is basically the opening of the first mind. There has to be a strand of tcheles, which was wool, that was dyed with a particular color. The color is somewhere between the shade of blue and purple, similar to indigo, like the indigo plant, which is called kloilon. But that's not kosher for tcheles. That's fake tcheles, pseudo tcheles. Real tcheles came, as is well known, from the, from the chilazon, as it's called, the chilazon uh, uh, fish or snail. And uh, the Radzina Rebbe claimed, ah? Huh? 
No, no, not, not. No, no. The Radziner Rebbe famously uh, uh, maintained that he discovered it at the sh- on the shores of Italy in the late 1800s, and from this came the whole contemporary discussion about Tchelis, this side or that side. Tchelis, essentially, the Gemara says, is doima lirakia, doima liyam, has the color of the what the sea looks like, the ocean looks like, the heavens looks like, that bluish, that bluish uh, inspiring, uh, inspiring color called Tchelis. Here he discusses Tchelis based on the meaning of the word, which is also connected to the color, and its spiritual dimensions. So he says, Darizal has a sefer called Priyat Chaim, written by Reb Chaim Vital. It basically goes through the major calendar of Judaism. Shabbos, Shchoidish, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. It explains each Yom Tev and day according to the Torah's Harizal. Shara Shabbos, he speaks about lighting candles before Shabbos. He speaks about the fact, the name of the Zoyer and Bereshis, that when you look at a flame, you can identify at least four colors. If you look at a candle burning, a nair burning, you can identify, if you look closely, you can identify four colors. This is Negeil HaLoch. The Mishnah and Brachas, what's the Bracha you make by Havdola? Beishamai says, Shabara Mo'ir Ha'esh. Beishillel says, Boire Mo'irei Ha'esh. Asks the Gemara, what's the argument? Boram Ma'oir Ha'esh, Boire Ma'oirei Ha'esh. Basilo says, Kama Gvani Ikebinura. A fire is not made up of one color. It's made up of various diverse colors. When you look at a flame, you could see different colors. Even though it looks from the outside, you know, it just looks like a fire, but really there's many colors. So you don't say Bara Ma'oir Ha'esh, but Boire Ma'oirei Ha'esh, the various Lights of fire, different lights, different flames. Generally, it's four, four, four colors. Nahira chivra, chuli, or nahira tichla, chuli. Basically, you have the darker colors and the lighter colors. All the way on the bottom, if you'll take a look, the flame is going to appear black. If you go higher, a little higher, it's going to appear blue. If you go get higher, you'll have red, orange, yellow. And then there's the higher, it's called Nohira Chivra, the white light, the white color. Okay. The higher you go, it turns from dark, black, into white. Nohira Chivra means white fire. Chivra is white. Nohira Tichla means dark fire. What's the defi- what's the explanation? He says, Nohira Tichla, this is what Tchelis is. Tchelis is bluishness. So you have the, on the bottom it's black, and then it becomes bluish. And then uh, higher you have lighter colors, and then you have white. So he says, Nohira Tichla hu atachten hanechaz You'll also see, there's a difference between the color of the flame that's holding on to the wick, consuming the wick, and the flame that's above the wick. The flame that's on the wick, it's nechaz b'psil, is always darker. Why? So he explains Pashat in chemistry. Lefi, 
שמקיליון הפסילה הוא דבר שאינוי מינוי, קולו וניבר בוי, נשתנו האור לגוון תחילוס. The oil that is consuming the wick, so what is creating that flame? The wick. The wick is dover she'en e'minoi. It's not, it's not the min, it's not the species, so to speak, of the flame. It's what we call in halacha, min b'she'en e'minoi. So therefore, it changes the oil. It contributes its own flavor, its own color, its own dimension to the flame, and that's what the color, the color comes from. It's because of the contact, the direct contact with the wick. On the contrary, in contrast to that, the flame above the wick, this is the pristine nature of the fire itself, and hence it's Nahir Chivra. It's the light color, the white color. So the blackishness or the bluishness is the confrontation. It's the result of the encounter between the fire and the flammable wick and the struggle of the flame to eat up the wick, so to speak, to consume the wick, Hashem Alekecha Eish Oichlahu. Oichla is connected to the word Chelas, as we will see. Right? Tichla. Lechol Tichla Reisi Ketz. Tichla Shana Vekilalai. So what does Tichla mean? Vayichulu Hashemayim. To finish something off. To eat something up. To consume something. To destroy something. That's the connection. You're destroying the wick. And in that destruction, you get the wick. You get the flavor, and therefore the color becomes black or becomes blue. And then you have the pristine flame above the wick that's already the white flame, the hirachiv. The kach, spiritually, he's now going to use some, again, fancy words, but don't get scared. Malchus da'atzilus, the characteristic known in Nister as Malchus of the world of Atzilus, which, just as reference, every world is made up of ten building blocks. The soul is made up of ten building blocks. Chachma, Bina, Das, three cognitive faculties, emotional faculties, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, functional faculties, Netzach, Hoid, Yisoid, Malchus. They're known as ten koiches, ten sviros, ten lights, ten numbers, ten characteristics. And these are the building, this is the key to understand, building blocks of the universe. The spiritual chemistry of the universe, if you would study chemistry from a spiritual textbook, right? If you're studying chemistry in your high school textbooks, as you did in, in Papa or in Satma or in Vishnitz or wherever you did it, or in Samarkand, huh? or in MIT... Okay, over there at least. So then, or in Harvard. <laughs> so then, you would, uh, if you're studying water molecules, so they're going to explain to you. Huh? <laughs> a, water, a water molecule they're going to explain to you is what? is two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen and they come together and they create a water molecule. So you broke up the water and you explained what had to come together to make it up. What if you're learning spiritual chemistry? You're going to learn the same thing, but you're going to understand the energy of the... of the... of the of the hydrogen atom, or the energy, spiritual energy in the oxygen, this oxygen uh, 
Adam. And the same is true in every other physical matter. So then you'll identify it as a sphera. So whenever you see the word, this sphera, that sphera, don't see it as people sometimes shut down because it's like, oh, here he goes again. It's like, when are we going to get to Shalom Bayez? But, uh, <laughs> or whatever this situation is, when are we going to get to my psychological issues? But the truth is, that without this language, you don't really learn anything. Because without this language, you're just listening. You're not, you're not developing a skill. So I'm explaining to you the language. The language is, spiritual chemistry uses the word spheres. And the world is made up of ten building blocks. These are the major spiritual atoms that make up our universe. There are physical atoms, and they're barely physical. I mean, they're barely visible and physical. But relative to spirituality, atoms are physical. Of course, you know. The greatest part of the atom is empty space, and that's where the spiritual energy rests. In the empty space, that's where what we call Dvar Hashem, the DNA of God, rests. And that's the core and the makeup of the physical. They're not two separate worlds. Just like, and this is also very important, today we understand this, because when, when he wrote all these things, it was language and it was very abstract. Today we already have oasis for it. When you look at a table, you could see the table from an external perspective. When you break down the table, you see a whole different table. It's the same table, but it's really a very different reality. And the same is true with your pinky, the same is true with a cup, and the same is true with a mic and a wallet. We see it from an external perspective, and it looks like a solid piece of wood, and it's a table. And I even bang my, 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 uh, my hand on it, I pound my hand on it, and it says, uh, relax, I'm also here. It gives feedback. But when you use the microscope, you'll see that there's a whole dynamic universe of atoms moving in a tremendous swiftness that make up the core of every physical item. So, which is true? Depends what glasses you're wearing. My glasses right now allow me only to see a solid piece of wood. If I would be able to put on more sensitive glasses, so to speak, what we call a microscope, I could see deeper layers of existence. What if I could put on the glasses of Lakuta Taira? I look at the same atoms. It's not a different world. But I suddenly see it and I see a different reality. Not a different reality. A deeper reality which gives rise to yet a more superficial reality, which gives rise yet to a more superficial reality. And it's all based on paradigms. It's all based on perspectives. So when you speak about spheres, you're really talking about language of Teres Hanister when you want to talk about the chemistry of the universe, the spiritual chemistry of the universe. This is clear. This is important to understand. Generally, it's ten. Ten major, ten major characteristics that make up the universe. Of course, these ten could be subdivided into many, many nuances and details because each one has many aspects and when they, when they start integrating with each other, which one becomes more emphasized, just like in the world of atoms. And therefore, you have so many different combinations, endless combinations of spheres to the point that you have a whole diverse universe. And that's the physical world. Then you have the spiritual universes are also made up of the ten characteristics. Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu we're created in Hashem's image, we're also made up of these ten spiritual faculties. Each soul has the capacity and the fuse, which we'll call chesed or gvuro, tiferes, and that's a chad So each ten has all ten within. Yes. Like we do in Sphere Saimer. There's chesed shabach chesed and gvuro shabach chesed and tiferes shabach chesed. Why do we only use seven? We don't. Seven are the midos. The three that are cognitive, they're called chachma binadas. That's also in every universe? Everywhere. 
those that's really ten, it's not seven. Sphere Sa'ima, we focus on emotion, so we focus on seven. Seven times seven is forty nine. But the world of spheres is known as Esther Spheres. Chachma Bina Das. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So he says the Kach Malchus Datsilis. So every world will always you'll always speak about ten. No difference. You'll speak about Oilam Atsilis. There will be Chachma Vatsilis, Malchus Vatsilis. You'll speak about Oilam Abriya. There'll be Gvura Debriya, Malchus Debriya. You'll speak about Oilam Ayitzira. You'll always, that language will not disappear because that's the system. The language of atoms, you don't get away from that language. Not because you want to say the same thing, because that's the structure in which the universe operates. You can't get out of that structure. You can go deeper into the structure, but that's the structure. So therefore, in every world, you're going to have all these names. So when he says Malchus Datsilis, instead of shutting down intellectually and emotionally, right, and start looking on your phone, instead, understand that basically you're dealing with a concept that will continue to persist because in every world you have all these ten. And because you have all these ten, so you'll always have this language, Malchus Ditzira, Malchus Datsia, Malchus Datsilis, etc., that's just a, a, a tutorial in all these types of words. The kach, it's clear, yeah? It's clear what I said. The kach malchus datzilis nikri nohoire tichla. When you want to describe malchus of atzilis, it's called blue fire or dark fire. Why? Shenasis kilyon libri yitzirasia sheptelem elev nichlalimba. You know why? Because Malchus of Atzillus is the black fire or the blue fire that consumes the wick. Which wick? The wick here is called Bria Yitzira Asiya. They are nullified to the fire and they're submerged in the fire. Just like a wick becomes nullified and it becomes fuel of the fire. It fuels the fire. It's now part of the fire. At the end, there's nothing left of the wick. You have some ashes left, some residue left. Whatever that cannot be consumed in the flame. Everything else of the wick is gone. Or the log, or whatever it is that the fire is consuming. This is the lowest level. This is the lowest level of the flame. The flame that is encountering... Yeah, it's being is, it's, being, it's burning something up. Vihine. Ad malchus datzilus. Until you reach the point of malchus of atzilus. Hu ishtal shalusa esesviris mi'ila li'ila b'bchinas achtos. The ten spheres evolve one to the other. Ila le'ila. Ila means antecedent to another antecedent. Chachma to bina to chesed to gvura to feris netzah. But they're all unified. Ma'ashen kim b'riya yitzira asiyah him p'china acheres. B'riya yitzira now is a different dimension. It's a different world. The dover nifrit. It conceives itself as separate. Malachim, you have angels here. You have neshamas, you have souls. They're spiritual beings, but they're beings. And therefore, what they experience is bitul hayesh. There is a yesh, a sense of somethingness that experiences God. Where in Atzillus, there's only achtos, there's complete unity. So therefore, all the spheroids tell malchus, the consciousness is one of complete achtos. Once you hit Bria, there's still consciousness of God. We're not dealing here with our world yet. That's going to be the lowest levels of Asiya. But there is already something called Dover Nifrit. It's called Bria, a creation outside of it. It experiences itself as separate. You'll have an angel, you'll have a soul. These are spiritual beings, but they're beings. They're beings, they're not ain't safe. And therefore what we call them is Bittl. They experience Bittl, but it's Bittl Hayesh.
Veliyos came thus in the Bebchines Hatzilus. Atzilus itself told Malchus who commercial Isha Chivra Niskelel. That's the white fire. That's the fire above the wick. It's not encountering the wick. Shuhumara Ha'ish Be'etzer. The white fire is what fire really looks like. Shaloi Bomi Dover She'enoi Minoi Mamish Vedover Zor Kamoikilian Apsila. Because this fire is not the fire that is produced by the encounter with something that is not its own min, it's not its species, and it's something strange, like when it's consuming the wick. This is not called bitl hayesh, it's called bitl be'etzim. Bitl be'etzim means it's essentially nullified. Bitl hayesh means there's a yesh, there's a wick, and I'm fighting the wick. I overwhelm the wick. The, the fire wins. The wick surrenders. But there's a wick surrendering to the fire. And therefore, the fire is also changed. The fire is blackish. The fire is darkish. It assumes the quality of the resistance. It defines the fire. The fire above represents, after I consume the wick, then there's what the fire itself is like. As a result of the consumption of the wick, without a wick, you're not going to have any flame. But it allows the fire to rise above the wick, and there you have a much more refined look. It doesn't have the gross appearance, the more brute dark appearance that comes from the encounter with the opposite, with the enoi minoi, the min enoi minoi, that creates a new type of compound, a new type of flame. Spiritually speaking, till malchus of atzillus, which means all the, the, the spiritual makeup of atzillus, till the lowest level of malchus, all represent the white fire. Malchus of Atzillus is the fire already on top of the wick, because that comes in contact with Bria, Yitzir, Asiya, and challenges them and inspires them and puts them on fire. This is already the dark fire. Fashtandik. Elishahu Bittl Be'etzah. This is called Bittl, Bittl Ayesh and Bittl Be'etzah. This is the Bittl of Chachmeilah. Chachmeilah is another word for Chachma of the world of Atzillus. The higher level of Chachma. This is Chachma of the world of Atzillus. It extends throughout the whole Atzillus till Malchus. That's the white fire. Masha'enkein, b'chines ha-Malchus. When you come Malchus, that's black fire or blue fire. Nohaira tichla. There's levels also. There's blue, there's dark blue. You look at a fire, you'll see it all in the fire. Just like white. There's white, there's yellow, right? Shenechlalim ba'olamis ha-nefradim. Malchus already becomes the mother that contains, from the word klal, all the separate worlds. This is min minoi. This is the wick and the flame. It's einoi minoi. It's not its species. Because Atzillus is a world which is all divine. is a world where there's consciousness. There's bitl, but there's bitl hayesh. So therefore there's a sense of yesh, separateness. So if the wick is on its own, it's just separate. If the wick burns, in other words, it does get submerged in the fire. That's the blue fire. That's why it's called chelos. It's mechala. It's mechala. It eats up. It consumes the wick. That's called nohira tichla. So the word chelos is also associated with the color of the flame when it is consuming the wick. In, in Aramaic, it means dark, black. It's associated with the Hebrew word mechala, 
And the connection is because that's the flame that consumes the wick. The flame above the wick will never be dark. It's always going to be white. What he calls Mara Ha'esh Be'etzim. In other words, Bittal has two colors. There's the color of Bittal when it's consuming something. And there's the color of Bittal which he calls Bittal Be'etzim. Essential Bittal. When Bittal is a struggle, when you're struggling with something and you have to consume it, your Bittal is not pure because you're fighting even though you're prevailing, but you're busy transforming something, and whenever you're transforming something else, you're defined by the transformation, as much as the thing that is being transformed. Whenever you're changing something, you are defined by that, as much as it is defined by you. It never could work any other way. And this is both positive and negative, and an expression of the Tanya, HaMisabik Imenuvel, Misnavel Kemoisai, if somebody wrestles a Menuvel, a filthy, filthy person, you get dirty, spiritually, psychologically as well. When you wrestle with somebody who is, huh? when you wrestle with somebody who is, uh, you know, who is lowly, it affects you even though you're wrestling and even though you may win. You can't wrestle without getting close. In fact, huh? Voss? Yeah, yeah. The broom gets dirty. Yeah, but if you analyze that analogy, here it's not the alumnus debris that's getting black, it's the flame. That's exactly. Black. The flame is getting black because that's the nation, that's the function of the flame. The flame is coming in contact with the, the psilo, which is Amy Minoi. And that contact changes both of them. The wick is consumed and the flame is darkened. Because what makes the flame is the wick. The wick makes the flame. So that makes this color, this darkish color. It creates, it's the friction that creates this color. And then you have what he calls Mara Ha'esh Be'etzim. The pristine flame, not busy resisting and transforming. That's Nohera Chivra. In spiritual terms, that's not Malchus of Atzillus. It's all the spheres above it from Chachma through Yisoy till Malchus. That's Nohera Chivra, that's the white fire. Which is not encountering the blackishness. And this is called Bittel Be'etzim versus Bittel Ha'esh. So there's two, there's the, Bittal has two colors. It has a black color, or a blue color, which is a darker color, I should say blue really, and, and a white color. We could say that when they're fighting, so to speak, yeah. that's when it's black, and then yeah. when there's success, then it's white? When, um, I was thinking of a teenager in the morning, the trying to get out of bed. So, so there's that, there's that fight. Uh, no, the pillow. Is you mean forty-year-olds don't have a fight getting out of bed? I'm just saying, sixty-year-olds. Okay. But I'm just saying. For, but, the, but that's the black, and then, then yes. when he's out, he's yeah. he said, "Motherneed." Yeah. Like Boston, now it's. No, I said he goes above bed. when you're above it. Yeah. I said Motherneed. Yeah, yeah, you'll see the black and the blue is always lower. You could take a look. You light a candle and take a look at the Shabbos candles this week. Right. It's above the wick is always whitish. Yes, yes. It's the psilla that makes the, that's the nature of this bittle. Shekoyach Moisha. Light a candle already. <laughs> blue, blue, blue. There's no wick on that. It's harder to see. It always burns something up. The question is how subtle. How subtle. Right. We could light the tissue on fire. What? We could light the tissue and see what happens. We could put the building on fire. <laughs> <laughs> see which part turns blue. 
I don't mean to give you ideas about school, but oh, oh. yeah, school's over. If you have a big candle, it'll be a little easier to see. But you'll see. You see? You see where it's blue? On bottom or on top? Always on the bottom. The blue is always on the bottom, you see? Because that's in contact with the wick. The higher you go, you see how the color changes? That's called Nohoi Tichla. And the top is called Nohira Chivra. Dark and white. He says there's four colors because within the darkness there's a few colors and within the whiteness there's a few colors. Leave it shine. I thought hot dogs. I thought hot dogs. This hour hot dogs is better than marshmallows. You can't eat them. Let me go straight to dessert. Yes. Right. Yes. But you still see the blue. You still see the blue. Still the blue. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea of Tchelos. Yeah. But don't put that kind on That's the idea of Tchelos. Yeah. In Sitzis, of course, we have what's called an halacha Chutei Tchelos and Chutei Lavan. Chutei Tchelos is blue, strands of blue. Chutei Lavan is strands of white. That's the connection to Vahoyal Lechem Litzitzis. Now, Vahayin Mashakasuv Mizebabir al Pasakiyata Neiri, Besoyf Adibur. You could take a look in the Maimer and Chanukah Maimer, Torah Oyer Kiyata Neiri, Shenohoyre Tichle Nimshech Mekilian Hapsilikama. Nohoyre Tichle primarily comes from consuming the wick as mentioned. Unohoyre Chivre Nimshech Mehashemen. When you have oil, you will see predominantly the white dimension of a fire. Generally, oil produces a much more clear, tzach is a much more clear, translucent light. Shemen is not called Shemen is such a refined substance that when it burns up, when it fuels the flame, it's not called and the flame has to overcome it. When min b'she'enay minoy fight, the min and she'enay minoy are opposite, so there is resistance. And that's the sore reason, he explains there in that mimer, for the different noises that you hear when you're burning something up. You make a bonfire, you put in a log, you hear the crackling of the log. You put in twigs, you'll hear the sizzle. You light your Hanukkah menorah, you hear nothing. Why? The noise is a reflection of the resistance. Right? I punch the ear and there's no sound. I go like this, and as I said before, the table says, I also have an ego. Relax, okay? And if you punch me harder, I'm going to hurt you. (laughs) I'm going to resist even more. It's a friction. You may win. You may break it. But the friction, it doesn't surrender easily because it's Einai Minai. And if it's Einai Minai, it means I don't belong in you. I am I. You want to take over my ego? Okay, but I'm not going to go down so easy. The log doesn't go down so easy. The noise represents the hispilus, spiritually, he says. It's the emotional friction of like, this is crazy, this is novel. All new noise comes from unexpected, from, from, from novelty, from drama. You see your best friend in the airport, you haven't seen them in two and a half years, right? 
Amal kids would go away to yeshiva for four or five years. Yeah, they came home, you see them from far, and you're screaming. Why are you screaming? The it's surprise. Okay. Huh? You're screaming because they're back and they're coming back home? <laughs> that depends on the relationship. <laughs> but <laughs> till they come back home, you're still excited, right? The first few minutes, you're still excited. So you're so it's the excitement that creates the noise. You don't take it for granted because it's new. For the log, the more aimai the more the enthusiasm, the more the excitement, whether it's negative or positive, but there's excitement. What about the shemen? The shemen yields easily, smoothly, spiritually, because shemen is b'china of bitl. Shemen is connected to chachma, it's connected to teira, the gemara menachis, the people of takoya were wise, because shemen zayis matzui behen, shemen is connected to chachma. Shemen is considered kabbalistically a very refined substance. Very, very refined. Huh? That was Shemen HaMishchid, anointed kings, anointed uh, anointed Koyanim G'doylim, anointed the Mishkan, anointed the Kalim. It's a special quality, Shemen. Huh? No. You need the wick. You need the wick. But uh, but the Shemen surrenders. He says, Shemen is an Ertzach. It's not so much Enoi Minoi. It's not mamish. You can't call it a fire. It's not, but it's ain't mina. Huh? Such a chemist, I'm not. You did it in yeshiva, okay? So this is the Nahir Tichla versus the Nahir Chivra. Two pchinas of Bittl. Bittl Hayesh and Bittl Ba'atzim. One there is the, the Min B'Sha'inay Minay and one is Min B'Minay. Now here we see the fascinating parallels between the world of Halacha, the world, you know what I'm going to say, the world of Halacha and the world of Nister. When it comes to halacha, the constant sugya of min b'mina, min b'sheina mina, in Yerudea, Chulda, and other places, is very interesting. When you have mixtures of things that are the same min, or min b'sheina mina, things that are not the same min. Huh? Bittel, yeah, yeah. The shitta, the view of Rabbi Yehuda is... In Gemara and in, 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 in Shah says Rabbi Yehuda holds Min Biminai ain't a bottle. Min Biminai will not become bottle. If you take two things, if you take a chicken soup and another chicken soup, and you mix them, one is tray for chicken, one is one was a chicken that died, and one is a and one is a chicken that was shechted. So one chicken soup is tray, one chicken soup is kosher. Even if the, 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 the kosher chicken soup is a huge pot, and you put a little tray for chicken soup, and there's 60 and 1,000 and 10,000, min b'minoi, Rabbi Yehuda holds ene bottle. Chachamim disagree, but that's the shit of Rabbi Yehuda. What's his raya? The lakach midam ha-par, umidam ha-soyer. Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol takes the blood of the bull, the blood of the goat, he mixes them and he sprinkles. Which blood is more? The blood of a bull, the blood of a goat? Blood of a bull. So it should it be bottle? The Torah calls it Dam HaSoyer. But it's not blood of a goat anymore. It's nullified in the blood of the bull. 
Min b'minoy ain't a bottle. It's min b'minoy. Rabbi Yehuda brings a raya from here. Chacham say you can't bring a raya from there because it's karbonus. Whenever you're dealing with something holy, it has its its chashivas, its its identity doesn't get bottled. Easy. Okay, this is a, this is a huge machlokes in halacha. So the Ran in Masechet Nedarim explains what's the svara min b'minoy ain't a bottle. And he brings, he says a brilliant smart. I'm going to explain it a little bit in my own words, but this is what the Ran says, basically. He says, Bittel is always about a sense of what we would call today assimilation. Meaning, if I'm a refugee, I come from a different country, and I come into a new community where everybody is different, how long can I resist? How long? A day, a week, a month. At the end, you want to fit in. People want to fit in. The overwhelming majority takes people over. This happens to every normal human being. A kid comes from another school, he comes into a class, there's 40 kids in the class, they have a certain style, how long can you resist? Unless you're an action shabak shanim and you're ready to be made fun of for five years. We surrender, we shed our layers, we melt away. This is the concept of bittel psychologically, but it's the concept of bittel chemically. It's the concept of bittel in chemistry. You take a drop of milk, you put it into a cholent, the cholent is huge, the milk doesn't have an ego anymore, sorry, too much cholent. The sheer is shishim, 60 to 1, it's too much, you surrender. If it's 5, if it's not 60 to 1, if it's 1 to 40, you don't surrender. But 1 to 60, you surrender, that's the klal of bitl b'shishim. Says the ran, if it's min minoy. What if it's min b'minoy? She says, not only do you not get bottle. His lashon is hamin hasheni mechaskoi kiyumin b'mina. What happens if I come from another community and I come into this community, but the people here are the same like me? Fakert, I get invigorated, I get emboldened. The second min doesn't compete with me. He makes a couple of spawnim. Finally, you're just like me. So he says halachically min b'mina in a bottle. That's the svar of Rabbi Yehuda. That's the svar. And what this didan explains brilliantly why in halacha. There's no bittle. Something that's going to be mutter tomorrow can't get bottle. For example, you have an egg. Yeah? An egg that's born on Yomtif is muktza, because it was born on Yomtif, right? What if it gets mixed into a thousand eggs that were that were laid before Yomtif? It should be bittle. Yeah? Because we hold min bimina is bottle. It's not. You know why? Because Dovashlay Matirin. Wait till after Yomtif it's going to be mutter, because it's just it was, the only problem was muktza, noilat. After Yomtif. The is not bottle. Asks the Ran why. So he says, Poshet. Chazal agree with, Chacham agree with Rabbi Yehuda. Min b'minoi can't be bottle. Why can't it be bottle? Because if I'm like you, I'm not going to get intimidated by you. I'll be emboldened by you. Right? The reason they argue with Rabbi Yehuda is because it's min b'minoi physically. But spiritually, this is mutter, and this is usr. They're the greatest enemies. What makes it a min b'shein emina is that they're enemies in terms of morality. This is kosher, this is treif. This is kosher chicken soup, this is non-kosher chicken soup. So they're not the same, so they get into a fight. So therefore, whenever there's a fight, you could get overwhelmed. Because one is treif and one is kosher. That makes the min b'shein emina. Physically, it's the same. But spiritually, it's not the same. But if it's over sheshle material, so even spiritually, we're not enemies because tomorrow I'm going to be mutter. Everybody holds ain't a bottle. In other words, Chachamim in principle agree with Rabbi Yehuda. They just say that min b'she, mina is also min b'shein, mina because one is mutter, one is osur.
You with me? This whole Yisoyed is being conveyed here on a spiritual level. There is the Min B'Minoi and there is Min B'Sheinei Minoi. One is Bittel Hayesh and one is Bittel Be'etzim. And it's two completely different experiences. What is the difference of the experience? Sometimes you're not consuming a wick at all. There's no consumption, there's no bittel, there's no mixture. This is separate and this is separate. Here we're talking about there's a mixture, and one gets nullified, but there's two types of nullification. One is the yesh gets nullified, and one is bittel batsam. And I'll explain to you the difference, I'll give a dogma for the difference. One is... A bittle where there is a wick or a log, and therefore there's resistance. And even though you surrender, so it's a very powerful moment, but the bittle can't be a pure bittle, because it's born out of resistance. So it colors the bittle. There's bittle be'etzem that's free from resistance. It's just what fire looks like essentially. So here the dance of the flame is a white dance. It's not a blue dance. It's Nohera Chivra. It's not Nohera Tichla. To give an example of the two, a Pesachtikl example. Anybody wants to give an example? <laughs> Both the, the contrast. Well, you know, leaving smart would be the example. But so to speak, I use the word poorly. A bad kid in the classroom with a good kid in the classroom. With the good kids in the classroom, so the bad kid may surrender ultimately, but uh, you know they'll still leave a mark, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Let's say I'll talk in a person's personal life. If a person is struggling with something and they're resisting to change, they're just resisting. There's people for years resist to change. I always tell myself I'm not going to talk about Shalom Bias, but somehow <laughs> somehow it comes up. I don't know why, but uh, I'll ask my therapist to uh, psychoanalyze me. Maybe I know that's what wakes people up. Maybe it wakes me up. Whatever it is. There's people who resist change. Why? Out of habit. It's just the way it is. As they'll always say, I'm not going to change. My wife is not going to change. Just the way it is. We've been fighting about the same thing for 29 and a half years. It'll be like that till the Hever Kaddisha come. And that's it. It's a resistance. And it's a state of complete uh, detachment from observing reality, from transforming reality, from going deeper into reality. I just want to stay in my comfort zone and be what I want to be and be miserable in that comfort zone, which I call a comfort zone. It's really a place of misery, but that's what it is. But sometimes the truth steers you in your face so much, you have no choice. <laughs> the fire is too big. The wick out of surrender. But you're fighting, you're fighting tooth and nail. The log fights and the wick fight. They don't go down easily. Therefore they make noise. 
and they produce blackness in the fire. So even when I'm misbattle, when I'm nullified, the bittle takes on the color of the fight. It takes on the color of the struggle. What do I mean it takes on the color of the struggle? It doesn't have a sense of purity to it because it's busy battling. There's the battle in it. Now there's a certain beauty to that. The beauty to that is that the yesh went down. When a log is on fire, it's something very powerful. <laughs> because the log is on fire. Mitzat the Chiddush, the Min B'Sha'enoi Minoi, is a very powerful bittle. There's a real bittle here, because it's Enoi Minoi. What if it's Min B'Minoi? If it's Min B'Minoi, then, when I'm mixing with you, you're not Mavatal me, really. Why? Because we're essentially connected. We're essentially one. So it's not bittel. That's what I was explaining, why min bimine ain't a bittel. The two are not opposites. The two are really the same. So when I surrender in you, I'm really surrendering in myself also. There's no real abnegation here that I'm this battle for you, but rather there's complete oneness, there's complete achdos. That's why he says, till malchus datzilis, it's white fire. In malchus datzilis, it's black fire. Because Malchus Datsilis is already consuming Bri, Yitzirah, with his Ayesh. But in Atsilis itself, there's complete Achdos. So it's all Min Biminoi. It's like the oil. So therefore, there's no opposition. Since there's no opposition, it's a different type of Bittl. The Bittl has in it a certain dance, a purity, a transcendence. To give an example of this, to give an example. If somebody loves music, somebody loves music, I once read, somebody once came to my house, an avid reader of Reader's Digest. They've been reading Reader's Digest from like 1952, and they like knew every issue. Yeah? It was a, some, a relative of mine, so she was once in my house. So she told me that she was a kid. I never found a story after written, but just what she told me. She read in the Reader's Digest an article by a doctor. It was the 1930s. He delivered a baby. He delivered a baby. And the baby came out, who was a little girl, and uh, she was missing a hand. And there were some other deformities in her body. The mother had to go through a, it was, it was a complicated birth, so they, uh, she was sedated or under anesthesia. She wasn't fully conscious. There was nobody in the room. And the doctor writes in the Reader's Digest that he uh, decided that he wants to do this mother a favor. This mother's going to have a miserable life with this baby because all the problems. He'll just uh, he'll snuff out the life of the baby, give it a needle, he'll kill it. He's thinking to himself, and he'll tell the mother, you know, uh, baby didn't survive. They'll grieve, they'll grieve, but they'll, they'll have other kids that live a normal life. Here it's going to be endless misery. This is what he's writing, and he's debating back in the early 1930s, so these calculations... Uh, I guess we're, uh, I don't know, normal or sometimes maybe a little more prevalent, whatever. Now, uh, he's going back and forth and struggling. Nobody was there. And this dilemma is tearing him apart. And at the end, he says, you know what? I don't have to play God's role. And uh, I like this mother, I like the father, but I'm uh, I'm not mixing it. He leaves the baby alive. The doctor says that he's been always in love with the cello, the cello instrument. 
He's walking one day in Manhattan, 20, 30 years later, he's walking one day in Manhattan, by a house, and he hears the sound of music, and he right away knows it's a cello. And he goes in, and there's like a little, it's a huge house, and it's like a little concert, 200 people, 300 people. And he gets a ticket, and he sits down. And there's the person playing the cello, a woman playing the cello. And he sees how she's struggling. It's very, very complicated for her. And the way she's holding it, she has one hand, and it's brilliant how she's manipulating it. He said he never heard somebody play the cello, this one. And he said, I sat there for two hours, and I melted. I melted. And then I asked somebody at the end, who is this playing the cello? And he said the name. And that was the girl that I wanted to kill. That was the end of the story. His point is, very many of us destroy things that if we would only let them live, they will change our lives. Sometimes it's with your own children. You destroy the soul of children because they create so much aggravation for you. And if you would let them live, they will ultimately become your greatest sources of pleasure. Sometimes educators kill children. If they would only let them live, they will become their greatest sources of pride. Quite a profound observation. This I heard from her many years ago. A relative who says she read it in the Reader's Digest. I never saw it afterwards. This is what I heard. Yeah. When, you're, when he was sitting in that place, just giving a little metaphor. I mean, I know it's not mamish, the same idea, but uh, I think it's close. When you're sitting there and you melt it, you melt it for two hours. doesn't happen often doesn't happen to everybody, but once in a while it happens. That's also a form of bitl. But that's not bitl hayesh. That's a marshal. There was no resistance in the bitl. The person just melted. The ego surrendered, and that surrender was not done with a sense of, I don't want to, but I have to. I don't want to, but I will. I don't want to, but, this is the truth. No, my whole eye melts. That's, more, that's, that's a little bit of a marshal for bitl be'etzim. In other words, the whole etzim is bottle. Bitl ayesh means there's min, b'she'enai minai. Who wins? Whoever's bigger, whoever's stronger. Fire is stronger, fire wins. God is truth. Truth wins. Truth wins over lies. But the lie doesn't go down easy. Lies don't go down easy. They say Napoleon, in one of his wars, one of his generals came and said, General Napoleon, the enemy is right here. The enemy is advancing right here. Napoleon says, you know what your problem is? Your problem is your maps are too small. You may get bigger maps and the enemy won't be so close. That's your whole problem. Okay. You wanted an analogy for uh, the concept of the Bittal so to speak staining and leaving its mark. Music actually is a very good analogy. You have a big symphony orchestra playing a beautiful thing. One instrument plays something off-key in order to count. He's overwhelmed. The, the, the overwhelming sound is beautiful, but it, that bittel still leaves a sensitive ear, will still hear a little bit of dissonance no matter how much he's right. On the other hand, if that one instrument plays a sound which is harmonious, which is actually mechazek, which is, I'm one of you, I'm a mechazek, that, that'll be... A, Min That'll be like bittel be'etzem, in the sense of a very refined kind of bittel. Right. I was once in a choir when I was a little kid, and uh, there was this big choir, we were singing with Joe Amar, and, and Mordechai Ben David, and, uh, you know, all these chevra. 
and uh, it was always an opportunity to leave yeshiva early. That was the the mile of going into the choir. You had your off days, and so we had this choir. It was fahak the choir, but shine, uh, you know, people were then into choirs. So uh, I remember we were singing a song, and there was a boy near me, and he went off beat completely, and he had a loud voice. And the director of the choir, you know, he's so you couldn't scream at him. He wanted to kill him. He pushed wanted to kill this kid. And he's like, you know, he's making his face. But this kid stubbornly was just was just offbeat, right? Now you're right. If the choir would have been, uh, you know, so many other voices, he would have had a lower voice, he would have been this battle. But he would leave his mark. It's even deeper than that. And that is, Bitlayesh has a positive quality. The bittel has a certain courage to it because it conquered an enemy. It vanquished an enemy. And I don't mean to be gory or use war language, but the corpse of the enemy, the corpses of the enemy create a certain smell for the generals of the other side. Again, I don't mean to be... Uh, I don't mean to sound like... Uh, you know, I know this language is not popular today. But but if you know about war literature, <laughs> yes, the corpse of the enemy creates the you know the, the flavor because because it was a difficult enemy. Lahavdil, that's bittel hayesh. The fire is dark. Bittel betzem is a different type of bittel. This is the fire beetzem. It's not encountering the opposite. So this is the type of bittel of the divine within the divine. This is above malchus datzilus. In a person it would be when you surrender to something and you completely become consumed in it because it's like almost that's your own depth. That's your own deepest reality. In Ruchni is what it means is there's the bittel of Elokus in Elokus and there's the bittel of the Yesh Legabe Elokus. The bittel of the Yesh Legabe Elokus is bittel Yesh. That's black fire. In Atzilus itself it's also bittel. There's also oneness. There's no ego. But over there, it's not the ego surrendering. There's lechatchila no yesh. There's lechatchila no separation. You don't feel a separation. You feel a complete oneness. It's a whole different type of bittel. There's a bittel where there's a separation and I'm nullified. It's almost like I'm forced to be nullified, even though it's not really forced. But the point is, it overwhelms me. And then there is also no ego, but there's lechatchila no separateness. It's almost like you felt this was always your home. This was always your place. It's the most comfortable experience because this is l'chatchila you. There's no separation, there's no fragmentation. It's a whole different type of uh, bitl experience. And really, it should mean that since there's the struggle with Bittu Yesh, what's leaving his blackness on is on the fire. Yes. So that would be then the Rabboni Shalom, so to speak. I don't know if that means Hele, whatever that means. No, no, it means that the, spi- the spirituality, the divinity of the experience is 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 blackened. Yes. Yes, yes. The, the spiritual the spiritual revelation is blackened. That's exactly the point. Seven, seven lines from the top, page 90, column 1. Make sure it says on the top of the page, Parsha Shlach. Look at the Torah. Or if you want the Hebrew, it's Daf Mem Hey Amud Gimel. Mem Hey, column 3. Or page 90. You see the right column.
So the opening of the Maimer, which we explored yesterday, was the concept of the word Tchelas, which is associated with the word Tichla, which is associated with the word Vayichulu HaShamayim, which is associated with, of course, not associated, but it's the strand of turquoise, purplish, bluish, indigo color of, um, of wool, with which the color with which we dye one strand in each of the four corners of one's talus cotton or talus gadol. And the famous Gemara, Amar Meir, why do we wear tchelis? Tchelis doimaliyam, right? Looks like the ocean, the sea. Viyam doimalarakiyah, looks like the sky. And it looks like the kisya kavit, doimalakisya kavit. Now you hear this growing up, what does it really mean? Could have said tchelis doimalakisya kavit. What do I, what does it help me? Yam, rakia, yeah. Chazal knew what Chelis looks like. We also imagine we know, or if you actually know what Chelis is on one level or another. Chelis, and, and tell me, what does the Kisya Kavit look like? It looks blue? Exactly. I'm anyway trusting you what Kisya Kavit looks like. And then you have to go to Yam, you have to go to Rakia, you have to go to Kisya Kavit. So this is also part of the explanation of this Maimon. It's really a very profound idea. And the beginning of the idea is that the Tchelas represents the Bittl. As he says, everything in fire, when the flame is burning, there's the, the, the blue fire, the blue flame, and there's the white flame. There's Nehoyer Tichla and Nehoyer Chivra. The blue flame is the flame that encounters the wick. It struggles with the wick, meaning it consumes the wick, and hence its color is tarnished or affected or defined by the substance that it consumes, in this case the psilu. That's the nohera tichla. It consumes it, and in that consumption it assumes that unique color, where the flame above the wick or the f- is erzach, it's light. He calls it the essential color of the fire. Spiritually, he says, there's two states of bittel. There's the bittel hayesh, there's the bittel be'etzem. Bittel be'etzem, he defines as the bittel in the world of Atzillus till Malchus, which is a world of unity. Bittel hayesh is from Malchus to Atzillus, which consumes and elevates Bria Yitzir and because it's Einoi Minoi, it's Min B'Sha'enoi Minoi versus Min B'Minoi. Bittel Min B'Minoi is not really bittel, which is why the Yehuda holds is no bittel. And we explain that even the Chachamim really hold it's no bittel. It's just the Isra and Heter makes it min b'shein emina, the Chiddush of the Ram. Right? So min b'mina is not really bittel. Why? Because we're we're from the same family. We're not mavatal each other. We actually embolden each other. We help each other. And min b'shein emina, that's where there's resistance. And that's where the majority wins. Because there's resistance. We're tapasets. Who's going to win? Min b'sheinim mina. Who's going to win? Achir abm lahatis. Or at least you need sixty bittel b'sheshem. Sometimes you need meya. Sometimes you need masayim. Sometimes you need two hundred. Arla, you need two hundred. Truma, you need a hundred. There's bittel be'elef. There's a concept called bittel be'revava. One in ten thousand. It's min b'sheinim mina. Two opposites. The fire wins, but because it's min b'shein emina, it is a struggle. Because you're being mavatl something. It is a yesh that you're being mavatl. It's ein emina, min b'shein emina. 
It's a different experience. There's two types of marriages, right? There's min b'minoi and there's min b'she'enai minoi. Min b'she'enai minoi is min b'she'enai minoi. You say it's just not, it's not the same min. And min b'minoi is, it's yet the same min. It's a whole different experience. Now you're looking at me, is there ever a marriage min b'minoi? No, not quite. But you could turn min b'she'enai minoi into min b'minoi. <laughs> Sometimes you could make min b'she'enai minoi into min b'minoi. But... Uh, that's the concept. So it's two types of bittel, bittel ayesh, and bittel batsa. That's why tcheles is doimel kisei akavit. What's kisei akavit? He says this in the Maimah before the beer. It's interesting that um, kisei. What's a kisei? When you look at a, th- a chair, it invites you to sit on it. And the chair surrenders itself to the one who sits on it. The kisei is bottle, legabe the yoshiv. We say hashamayim kisei va'aretz hadoim ragalon. The kisei is not the person, but the kisei makes itself into a keli for the person. Tcheles doimel the kisei hakovet. It's doimel the kisei hakovet because the idea of tcheles is the bittel of the yesh, the blue fire. The blue fire which consumes the psila and allows the yesh to become aligned with its source, that's the concept of kisya HaKavit. It's the same idea as Avos Heven and Merkava. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why the Gemara has to go through all the stages, Yam, Rakia, Kisya HaKavit, because you don't just go up to that state. You first look at the ocean. And then from the ocean you could look up to the heaven. It's not the Gemara is trying to tell you what blue looks like. We know what blue looks like. <laughs> it's trying to explain to you the process of growth. You look at the Yam. The Yam is already a deeper world. And then from the Yam you could look at the Rakia. It's already a deeper world. And then from there you could come to the Kisya covered. But because you're dealing with Ayesh, it's a process of transcending the self-contained ego and aligning yourself that you could become like a Kisei HaKavit, that you become a throne where the Kavit Hashem can dwell. So that's all the blue fire that's represented by the Tchelos. That's what makes it blue, because it's Min B'Shei Neiminoi. It's the encounter, huh? Uh, a marriage is like that. The Gemara says in Saita, Darusha Akiva, Ish Ish Azachu, because Ish is Ish Yud, Ish is Ish Hey, it's two fires. And the Yud and the Hey together. Sometimes. Depends on the marriage. Sometimes it's a fire and a log. 
Usually it's a fire and a log. Yeah. She's the fire and he's the log. Yeah? And sometimes it's a very thick log. And she tries for 30 years to ignite it. She puts in kerosene and oil and gasoline and newspapers and tissues and twigs. It's a healthy tight bunker. This isn't Tuesday morning. Oh, I'm talking to men. Okay. <laughs> The Balaturim says. The Balaturim says in Bereshus, Hashem asks Adam, why did you eat from the tree? Yeah. So Adam, like a very good Jewish husband, says, He gave me a wife. She gave me from the tree and I ate. As the Balaturim, we know what she gave him. He could have said, my wife gave me v'oichel. He nasnali min ha'etz. So the Balaturim says, you know what nasnali min ha'etz means? Adam said to Chava, I'm not eating. So she took an eitz. She gave him makas retzach. Chava beat him. Balaturim, you could look it up. Chava poshed beat up Adam Arisha. Huh? Well, that's why you took martial arts, no? <laughs> Adam should have also. He nosed the limb in the eights. She pushed it with the eights. She didn't get clapped. I had to eat. <laughs> I wanted to live. I had to eat. That's what the Balaturim says. Huh? He was the first Mukha Saints. Huh? He was the first Mukha Saints. He was a Mukha Saints. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Pshad Vizel Indian Eretz Echelis Yeshva. Here we come to a whole new interpretation of what the Miraglim said. The Miraglim said, this is a whole different Mahalach than what we learned earlier in my Mara. You know what the problem with Eretz Yisrael is? It's Eretz Echelis. Here the word again is Echelis. Tchelis. Tichla. It eats up. It's a land that eats up its inhabitants. Why? That's what Bittal is. The fire eats up the wick. The fire consumes the oil or whatever substance you're putting into the fire. This is a land of bittel. It's going to eat up everybody. Rak. The Meraglam said this as slander. It's a Meraglam but really, Eretz Echelis Yeshva is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Why? They tie it that Bittel is the worst thing that can happen to you. It kills you. It ex- exterminates you. It eats you up. Eretz Echelis Yeshva. This is the Nohirat Tichlet. It's the fire that wants to burn you, wants to destroy you. Why would you want to go into a place and an environment that wants you dead? It wants you to seize. It's like a fire. It wants to kill you. A fire doesn't want you. A fire wants to disintegrate you and destroy you. That's what bittel means. What's translation of bittel? Nullification. You're going to be nullified. You're going to be eaten up. So Shtarkatayna. The Balatanya says, but it was a sheker. Why is it a sheker? Ki va'atem hadveikim ba'ashem chuli. Because the Pasuk says, Ve'eschan and you cleave ta'atem hadveikim ba'ashem alakechim chayim kolchem ayoyim. You cleave to God, you're alive today. As the Zayir explains in Bereshis, the meaning of this Pasuk, 
which explains to you why the Merag, which explains to us why the Meraglim was saying unsure. And in the brackets, he quotes the Zoyar. This is a quote from the Zoyar in Parashat Bereshit. Tochazi. Vav Tochav. Tochazi. Come and see. This is a very common expression in Zoyar. In Gemara, you have Tov Shin, which is Toshma. And in Zoyar, it's Tochazi. Come and see. Tochazi. Ah. Ah. Tachazi, Afal Gav, even though the Urcheda Haina Hoyda. I'm going to translate in English, it's, it's Aramaic words. Afal Gav, even though the Urcheda Haina Hoyda Tichla Uchma. Even though the nature of this fire, which is blue and black, remember in fire itself you have Tichla, is blue and Uchma. Uchma in Aramaic is dark or black, Shachar. Even though this blue is blackish fire. It's na'urch, it's nature, is l'shetza'ah. L'shetza'ah means to destroy. Kol ma'adi is dabig beitachtoi. Whatever gets under it, like you say, you get under his skin, you don't come out. You get under him, you don't come out. The nature of this blue-black fire is whatever gets under it doesn't come out. You put your finger in the fire, don't expect to have a finger back. It destroys everything. Nonetheless, so you would think... When you go into fire, you die. That's the story of fire physically, spiritually too. Nonetheless, Israel, the Jewish people, Mizdabkin Beitachta. They connect to him, to Hashem, under him, Vikaiman Bikiyuma. And their existence it endures. Hadud Iksiv, this is what the Pasik says. The two halves of the Psukim is like a question with an answer. A tmiya with a with a yish, even though atamat veikim b'Hashem alakechem. So you would think Hashem alakechayish oichla. God is fire. You want to connect the fire gazunteit, but there's nothing left. That's the point. Eretz oichelus yeshva. It's the land of God. God is fire. You're not going to have a lot to survive. No chayim kol You will be alive. Why? Peter she explains as a keinyan do urchel when the when the when the Tzoyar says the nature of fire is to destroy Zelwal Derech Shamer Razal, it's like the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that this, the Malachim were complaining. They kept on criticizing Hashem for creating man. He said it's a mistake. What are you doing? And he wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop telling him that you don't create the world. Every group that he created, don't create. So the Gemara says Hashem, so to speak, stretched out his little pinky among them. And they became consumed. <laughs> this is what the Meraglim said. <laughs> this is the land of Hashem. Eretz Yisrael is a land that will eat up. It will burn. It's a consuming fire. It will burn its inhabitants. Loimar. They were saying, Through Bittl, Yisbatlum emetziusam legamri. Their entire identity will be obliterated, exterminated, and decimated, gone. Nada, nothing left. You know why? Because in the presence of God, there's nobody left. So once he puts his finger in, you're burnt. You want to go into Eretz Yisrael, go into Eretz Yisrael, but there won't be anything left of you. Eretz Echelis Yeshva. This is the time of the miracle. Where does it say Eretz Ah? Where does it say the Eretz Yeshva? Sanhedrin.
Yes, yes, ask us. You want to know how to reconcile this maima with the previous maima? The Maragalim were on such a lofty level, and here not. It's a good question, but we have to put, for that question, we have to wait a little bit to first understand well the concept. Is. <coughs> Let's hear what the Maragalim are saying, and tell me if you empathize with them. Okay? The Maragalim are bas- basically. On this, according to this interpretation, saying something, not just fascinating, but something that some of us hear all the time from people. To put it in simple English, religion destroys identity. Yiddishkeit obliterates individuality. If you want to live a life of self-abnegation, go to God. If you want to live a life of self-actualization, self-expression, self-creativity, <laughs> then move away. In fact, there's probably thousands upon thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, or maybe even larger numbers, of young men and women, or older men and women, who see it exactly that way. The choice between Judaism and secularism <coughs> as I've heard probably from hundreds of people, is that choice. A choice between losing myself, between surrendering myself, to what? To community, to religion, to God, to my Rosh Hashiva, to my Rebbe, to my family, to my wife, to my Shvika, to my Kehillah, to my Shulchan Aruch, to Shabbos, Yom Tev, Krishma, Tefillah, Lulav, Sukkot, Chanukah, Hadassim, Chazanish, Rabchaim No, Maim Shalonu, Gebrok, Tzmat and Baruch Hashem for everything cutting nails, this direction, that direction, tying left shoe, right shoe, even controlling what I do in the bathroom, without getting too uh, specific. But everything is controlled. How I marry, who I marry, when I marry, what I marry, what I do, where I look, how I look, when I touch, when I, everything, what I eat, how I eat, etc. There's no self. There's no self. There's no me, me, I, I, I want to choose. And my whole life I'm told, Vebistu. what were you told in Yiddish? Forgessen. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you forgot. Where minds the best? Suddenly you became a mandama, and then this person grows up and he says, I want to be I. That's the only thing I know. I only know me. I don't know anybody else. This is a very profound, this is a very profound sentiment, a very profound feeling. And according to this Maimer, the first ones to articulate it with a miragla. They said it in three sophisticated words. Eretz Eichelis Yeshvah. You could follow God, it's not a problem. You'll go into the Holy Land, you'll do everything as they said, it's His land. But just know it's a land where nobody remains intact. They become zombies, they become robots. You talk to people, they don't think, they don't feel, they're not independent, they're not personalities. 
Their mind is gone. Their heart is gone. Their individuality. They're not, no, there's no room for individuality. How could there be room for individuality when you're told 24 hours what to say, what to think, what to feel, what to look like, how to dress, what to eat, everything. How could, is there, there's no individual left. Anybody relates to this? Yes. <laughs> you want to explain how you relate to it? I can't explain it because I'm not left. <laughs> you say there's nobody left to explain. <laughs> okay. And how long did that list go for? Lying with the gullus. Could he print it? Was there enough paper to print it out? Right. So this this, this is a very and it expresses of many different ways, but the concept is the same. I don't want to be a robot. I want to choose. And for that, the Miragl, and this is what the Miraglim said in three words, You'll go in, but it just eats it up. You're going into fire. What happens when the fire is, when the fire, there's nothing left, it's just fire. And remember, the fire also is going to be destroyed, so the fire always needs somebody to eat up. So somebody once told me, religion looks for people. It needs people. If not, there's no fire. No fuel. You need the fuel. You need adherence. You need you need followers. You need the bleachers in order to build the mamlocha, to build the empire. But what what would happen with Eretz Yisrael? They were from in the midbar also. <laughs> so I mean, they were already religious. They were already <laughs> being nechal. So why? What was there specifically an issue of not going to Eretz Yisrael to be religious? Eretz so much more laws. You have to do things in Israel. You have to get a job. So why would they Walk support with them? Huh? So you want to know, you say the Miraglim were right. 100% they were right. Right? 100% they were right. You want to even know why they're wrong? Why is he saying, Lashon Harish, Akronim? This is why it's such an important discussion, this. Because this is what he's conveying. He's articulating here the elephant in the room. Not only in this room, at least in this room, we, we, we talk about the elephant in the room. In many places, they don't speak about the elephant in the room. But this is the elephant in the room. And sometimes it's an unsaid feeling, it's an unspoken sentiment, but it's there. Not by everybody, but a very, very large amount of people who struggle with this. And they always see it as a choice between self-actualization or, uh, or divine will. Very good. Very good. You would have been a good advocate for the Miraglim, Rabbi Isaac. He says, isn't that the definition of the words, Kabbalah's oil, Malchus Shemaya? Accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. What's a yoke? You know what a yoke is? You ever saw a, a, a bull plowing with a yoke? You take a yoke, you put it on the bull. The bull says, no, I want to go to century 21. I don't want to plow. The bull says, I don't want hay. I want black and whites for breakfast. I want, what are you drinking over there? Huh? To the bull. Oil No, you take a yoke, you put it on the bull, and you say, this is your place. You take the horse and you whip it. So Kabbalah's Amalchamah means accepting a yoke of a king. That's what it means. Challenging, challenging, 
channeling the energy of the animal for a purpose. Otherwise, okay. Is that semantics or it's an experience? No, You're speaking from experience or words? <laughs> you have to go through the process. It's real life. Okay. It's all the creation of Okay, so you go back to the Bible. What does it say in the Bible? Do whatever you want, huh? I'm God who took you out of Egypt. Have a good day. And therefore, I want you to chill out, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whomever you want. Those are my commandments. Now go move on. Shulchan Aruch explains Torah. What do you think Shulchan Aruch is? There's no din in Shulchan Aruch that can't be traced back. Okay, because the Torah Shabbat was written very briefly, very concisely, but all Tayag mitzvahs are in Chumash. Tefillin is in Chumash, Krishna is in Chumash, Mezuzah is in Chumash, Shabbos is in Chumash, Yom Tov is in Chumash, Davening is in Chumash, Kashrus, Nevelis, Trefis, Nidit, Taras, Amish, this is all in Chumash. Like everything in Chumash, it's very brief, it's very concise, it's very cryptic. <laughs> How to dress is not a chumash, that's true. <laughs> but what you're talking about, how to dress, is not a shachanarach either. <laughs> Your Rebbe said that what? Okay. The question for you. Maybe it was a casket. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a Barcelino, I'm not sure. The source of the trauma comes from Shulchan Aruch. So he wants to know, why did you become a Balchuva? It's quite the opposite. That's where it comes It says That's a posik in Chumash. The explanation of Bekumecha is in Mishnayas, you're right. Because nothing in Chumash is clear. It says, uh, don't do Malacha on Shabbos. What's Malacha? I don't know. It says, What exactly do I tie on my hand? Potato peels? So what do I take a pen? And I go to my door and I write a few verses. Every every What does that mean? I could read it bechelavit. Every pasuk needs explanation. So the Rambam says, Torah b'firusha nitna. Torah was given with commentary. Without it, it doesn't make sense. But Torah is not a new thing. It's a pirush of Torah shabiksav. It's a chiddush. Do what I'm saying? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. No, no problem, no problem. But, so this is the time of the Merang. This is the time, the Eretz Echelis Yishma. So now, this is the whole Hemshech. When you speak about Bittl, the word Bittl is what they felt horrible about. When they heard the word Bittl, they felt trauma. In your words, they felt trauma. Why? That's the end of me. And that's very painful. It's painful when you have something or somebody who will destroy you. It's a very painful thing. Just like physically, we don't want to die. Emotionally, we don't want to die. Psychologically, we don't want to die. Spiritually, we don't want to die. Physically, you'll do anything to survive. 
anything in order to hold on to your life, people go through and endure tremendous suffering, therapies and surgeries, etc., etc., in order to live. Emotionally, I don't want to die. I want to hold on to me. And the Miraglim said, the blueprint of Torah, the blueprint of Yiddishkeit, is one that demands unconditional, absolute surrender of self. Hashem, and they have a quote, Hashem Elekecha, and when you go into the fire, all that's left is ashes. That's what's left. That's what's going to be left of you. Emotionally, that's what's going to be left of you. Don't expect creativity. Don't expect personality. Don't expect joy. Expect people who are basically robotic. They don't think too much. They don't feel. Even when they smile, it's a concocted smile because it's some hysteria and you have to smile. Or it's Purim. Huh? I'm not sure we're supposed to stop the shear at this point, are we? What a So the Balatanya calls them Shakranim. This is a lie. Very strong words. He doesn't say they made a mistake. He says they lied. Why does he use such strong words? He uses such strong words because the point the Balatanya wants to make here is that this is an absolute distortion of everything that Judaism represents and everything that Eretz Yisrael represents. And this has to be ingrained in somebody's identity to be able to understand that if Bittel is described as self-destruction, it's a lie. He has no other words for it. It's a lie. I, it's a translation. Bittel means Bittel. In halacha, what does Bittel mean? Nullification. But the truth is, and this is what's going to emerge here fascinatingly, that this whole Maimer coincides with halacha. Just like we learned Min B'mina, Min B'she'ne mina, what is the definition of Bittel in halacha? What does Bittel mean? If I pour milk into meat, what happens to that milk? How are you allowed to drink the milk? What happens to that milk? So this is not a Pashita thing. This is a big, big shakla v'atariya in halach. If you have an egg, a one non-kosher egg, it comes from a tray for a chicken, gets mixed in with a thousand eggs, it's bittel. It's min bimina. It's the same type. But it's bittel. Because la halacha we say min bimina bottle, not like Rabbi Yehud. At least b'shishim, b'roiv, b'shishim. But it's bottle. What happens to that egg? And there's a big question in halach. I have a thousand eggs. I know one is treif. Am I allowed to eat all a thousand eggs, or do I have to take out one egg? <laughs> no, no, it's not so partial. Yeah, it's a big, big, big shayla. What does it have to do with? There's two ways of defining bittel and halach. One way is, it's assimilated, it's overwhelmed, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. To give an example, we have a board meeting, we have a company, or we have a shul, and on the board sit, uh, I don't know, 39 people, Rahman al-Islam, but... If you have so many people. But let's say you have 39 people. Okay. And one person disagrees. It's irrelevant. Okay, he disagrees. He says, no, no, no. Oops, you're going to destroy this show. Okay, but 38 people disagree. So you don't look at him. You can't give him power. Why? Because he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. Imagine you have a room and everybody is hollering and screaming. The music is on very, very loud. And there's one person speaking. He's speaking, but it's irrelevant. 
he's disregarded. That's one way of bit, learning Bittl. Huh? Unless he's the CEO. Unless he's the CEO. But when, when you're one egg and a thousand eggs, you're not the CEO. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point of Bittl. You're not the CEO. Yeah. So the refugee comes, the Jew comes from across the Atlantic Ocean. He said, comes to Ellis Island, right? Everybody here looks at religion as a joke, as a mockery. So what do you want from him? He's told that if he doesn't come Shabbos to work, he shouldn't come Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, as hundreds of thousands of Jews were told. So what do you want from him? Everybody laughs. There's only public schools. So the kids, the kid is one kid that comes with a doggy bag. What do you want from the kid? He feels irrelevant. He feels stupid. He feels like a real, real minority. So what do you do? You melt. You melt. You give in. You surrender. You shed your layers. There's no room for resistance anymore. Unless you're an action and then you'll be thrown out anyway. You'll be sent back to over the Atlantic. So the concept of Bittl on one level is you're simply overwhelmed by the majority and therefore we don't look at you. But you still remain treif. The egg still remains treif. And then the halacha would be you have to throw out one egg. Because you can't eat all the eggs. Because one has to be treif. But the Rosh says that's not pshat and Bittl. Pshat and Bittl is ha'isur nepach liyus heter. Pshat of Bittl is that the Isser is transformed. As a result of entering into that domain, it assumes the identity of the domain. It's a whole different concept. Ha'isr nepach is This translation, and therefore you can eat every egg. And therefore you can eat every egg. That's the Chiddush. You have the same question in Sanhedrin. You have 71 members of Sanhedrin. Okay? 50, uh, what's half? So you have 30, uh, 35, okay. So you have, let's say, just make it some, you have 40, say one thing. And then you have the other 31 who disagree. And then they give out a psak din. You follow the majority. But who gave the psak din? Was this psak din made by 71? Or was this psak din made by 40? Do you say you disregard the view of the 31? Or you say no. Once Bezdin Paskins and Torah says, it becomes everybody's psak, even the minority. They all become part of that psak. Everybody could sign. Not because they're being dishonest, because that's the psak lahatus. When Rabbi Yeshua disagreed with Ram Gamliel, Ram Gamliel didn't tell Rabbi Yeshua. About Yom Kippur, we learned in Hashanah Chafei. He didn't tell Rabbi Yeshua, just be quiet. He said, I want you to be Mechala Yom Kippur. I want you to come, and I want you to come with your stick and with your money. In other words, what if to come? Come yourself! Even your stick, which is outside of you, and even your money, which you don't, it's not even for your body, it's completely outside of you, even that should come with Yavna. I want all of you to come to Yavna. What do you mean I want all of you? Full participation. I want transformation. It's a different type of bittel, different level of bittel. So there's two very different interpretations of bittel. One definition of bittel is nullification, and one definition of bittel is you assume the identity. You assume the identity of the reality that you're bottled to. So now here comes the question: Whose identity am I assuming? If I go into a marriage and you say you have to be mevatel yourself in this marriage. Okay? So what's bittel me? 
Bittl means you just stay quiet for the rest of your life. That's one level of Bittl. You let somebody else wear the pants. Or Bittl means no. You assume the identity of the other one and in a way that's worse. Because now does Mamish know me. Now I become you. You become a new Metzius. That I'm really afraid of. <laughs> but why should you you become me? Why should I become you? <laughs> okay, okay. So that's what we have to understand. That's what we have to understand. That's what we have to understand. So the truth is that the Miraglim's mistake was that they misunderstood a few things. First of all, you have to redefine what God is. <laughs> and therefore you have to redefine what Judaism is. So you have to redefine what Eretz Yisrael is. So you have to redefine what Torah mitzvahs are. You have to redefine what a human being is. You have to redefine what God is. You have to redefine what a human being is. And then finally you have to redefine what Bittal is. When you could redefine all these things, you could say, Meraglam shakranim hayu. Shakranim in the sense... They had wrong definitions. Everything was wrongly defined. Bittl was wrongly defined. Sarit Yisrael was wrongly defined. So God was wrongly defined. So Torah was wrongly defined. And they themselves were wrongly defined. When you could redefine all of this, you have a new definition. Okay. This was, but this was not a holy sin. That's Shekron. Yeah, this it's is different. Holy This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.